This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Don't run from fearing God to self-righteousness or unrighteousness, but come this morning and find refuge under His wings for the safety from sin. Because you see, there's a terror outside of Jesus. The terror of sin and death. There's a terror outside of Jesus. But there's a holy trembling inside under His wings. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I'd rather sit in holy reverence under His wings than live under the terror of Satan in the world. Because under His wings, He is my friend, He is my brother, and yet He is my almighty sovereign God. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, very familiar verse. It says, The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And this is the last thing that Solomon is going to tell us in these next few verses. He says, as we go through the spiritual reboot, or for some of you, it's going to be a spiritual rebirth this morning. He says, grow in wisdom. Grow in wisdom. Submit under the sovereignty of God. In other words, know that God is large and in charge. He's in control. Don't commit spiritual suicide by going, living the self-righteous route of a hypocrite or going overly crazy and being unrighteous. And here he says, man, grow in wisdom because, and if that's too churchy for you, here's your street version of it, okay? You can't be saved and be stupid at the same time. That was a good one, right? You can't be saved and be stupid at the same time. You got to grow in wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you're sitting and living your life under the shadow of His wings, where there's a holy tremble, a holy fear at the might of who God is, you cannot live in the stupidity and the darkness of the world. There is a wisdom that God gives, man. And oftentimes we live foolish lives because we're living in our flesh. Oftentimes we do not know how to bring peace in our homes because we're living under the flesh. And Solomon's going to say, listen, man, if you're living under the hand of a mighty sovereign God, you cannot be stupid at the same time. Verse 19, wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than 10 rulers who are in the city. Isn't that crazy? He's going to say wisdom, you know. Now Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus. And here he says wisdom that comes from God, insight that comes from God, gives you more strength than, you know, 10 rulers who are in the city. Typically, there will be 10 leaders who will decide the matter of people in a city. They would be the ones that would make the call. It reminds me of um, the book of Esther. This week, if you have time, read through the book of Esther. It's a beautiful book. And you get to see this illustrated really well. Esther is a Jewish girl who is married off to the Persian king, um, Xerxes I. And um, this king had a minister named Haman who was trying to kill all the Jews in the known world. And if you read through the book of Esther, you see how God gives them divine wisdom. They fast and they pray, her and her cousin Mordecai. And they fast and they pray, and God rescues them from these evil rulers who are trying to persecute them. And Haman builds a, a gallow to kill, to hang Mordecai, a godly man. And what ends up happening is that gallows is used on him, on Haman, and he's killed on that. And the Jews survive. And um, until this day, they celebrate the festival of Purim uh, because of how God saved them from the rulers that were going to kill them. And Solomon's telling us wisdom, godly wisdom, will give you strength to be wise more than 10 rulers who are in the city. And if you're walking in the spirit, you cannot live in foolishness. It's, 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 it's the opposite. God will give wisdom to make the right choices, to make the right decisions, and God will save you from the snare of Satan. 
what does it look like practically to grow in wisdom? This is a good, well, this is a good one. What does it look like to practically grow in wisdom? Uh, verse 20, he says, Surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. We saw this earlier. True wisdom and, and, and um, insight from God shows that there's not a just man. And because we're living in a very sinful world, true wisdom will tell you that you need godly wisdom to be able to navigate through the sinful world, isn't it? Because when you're going through, you know, you're living in a sinful world, you need godly wisdom and discernment to be able to know and navigate how to go through life. Um, how often, there's a language that, you know, the Sparks family and I use a lot. We say, there's a check in my spirit, right? And that's godly wisdom. When you're going through life and you're like, you know what, this feels really weird and I'm not going to make this decision now. I'm not going to bring this person into this business deal right now. There's a check in my spirit because there's not a righteous person on earth. Godly wisdom says, listen, man, you got to be careful. You got to seek godly wisdom, not just people who have been successful in the world. You got to seek God to be able to make the right decisions because you're living in a sinful world. And then Solomon's going to say, apart from that, be careful what you take in and be careful what you dish out. Godly wisdom tells you, be careful what you listen to and be careful of what you speak. Because he says in verse 21, Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. If you're constantly looking to see what others are thinking and saying about you, um, guess what? You're going to hear some things that you don't want to hear. Right? I mean, if you don't want feedback, don't ask for it. Right? Um, and this is something that I, as a pastor, have had to hear, uh, learn, and grow in. Uh, over the past couple of years. In fact, very often I pray that God will give me a thick skin to put in the words of uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, in, um, in letters to my students, he writes, he says, every pastor should have one blind eye and one deaf ear and be skilled in knowing when to use them. If you're constantly trying to look over your you know, workstation to hear what other people are saying of you, guess what, man? You're going to hear things that you don't want to hear. Um, Pascal writes, he says, if all men knew what each said about the other, there would not be four friends in the world. <laughs> true, true. Too true, right? If you actually heard what people are talking about you, you probably wouldn't want to trust anyone. And he continues to write, and see, this, this is not just to make you feel bad, this is actually to humble you when he says, your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Yikes. He says, hey, listen, man, before you start criticizing others for how poorly they speak of you, know that you've done that too. Another way in Jesus' words, he says, look at the log in your own eye. Paul, he gives very good counsel to Pastor Titus in Titus chapter 3, verse 2. He says, speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Okay, here's a wisdom checklist when it comes to speech, okay? If I want to write this down, this is what I'm going to be working on big time this week because I struggle with this, and I know I do. Uh, sometimes I talk a lot, and many times it's not very God-glorifying. It's very flesh. It's not walking in the Spirit. It's not trusting the sovereignty of God. It's walking in self-righteousness and unrighteousness. It's not walking, submitting under the fear of God. So here's my spiritual checklist that I think will be good for us to have when it comes to speech. Would you say what you're going to say if that person you're talking about is right in front of you? Okay, would you continue to say what you're going to say if that person was right in front of you? Now, oftentimes you'd be like, well, of course I would. Okay, second question then is, would you say it the way you're saying it? Okay, because sometimes, yeah, you would say it, but you might be like, well, you know, I was thinking, I was considering, it could be possible not like, you know, how dare that person? You know how that person, stupid that person is? You say a smirk on their face, you probably wouldn't talk that way, right? Would you say it the same way? If you're dumb enough to be like, well, of course I would say it the same way, then the third question is for you, okay? Are you just venting your frustration or are you saying what you're saying to build 
a godly character and reputation in that person you're talking about. Okay? Truth, truth be told, oftentimes, I am not. Okay? I fail in this. And that's why I'm really excited to preach this message on spiritual reboot. Because I want to be careful that when I open my mouth, it's to build the kingdom of God and not to tear down people that God loves. Okay? So, um, I'm... I'm I'm coming before God as I've been writing this I've been asking God to help me to grow in this area and maybe this is you so the second thing Solomon says in growing in wisdom is know the limits of wisdom um, oftentimes we can get very um, wise in our own eyes like the self-righteous person and um, but what we see in God's word is the more you grow in wisdom and the more you grow in understanding the more it's supposed to show you how foolish you are Okay, know the limits of wisdom. If you learn something new, don't feel like you've conquered the world and try to pull other people down. And I, this is something else I've been saying for many weeks. Pulling another person down doesn't make you stand taller. It only shows you where you are. Okay? It shows you that you are down over there. When you grow in wisdom, true wisdom doesn't cause you to pull other people down, but it actually shows you the limits of wisdom, knowing that you can never understand everything. And the more you know, the more foolish you see that you are. Um, verse 23 all this I've tested by wisdom I said I will be wise but it was far from me it's crazy the smartest man in the world says I will be wise but wisdom was far from me and he says that which has been is far off and deep very deep who can find it out that's true godly wisdom is far off godly wisdom cannot be found by reading books godly wisdom cannot be found by listening to worship music godly wisdom cannot be found by hanging out with people um, that have a relationship with God godly wisdom can be found when you've had a personal encounter with a God who is wise Job chapter 11 verse 7 says can you find out the deep things of God can you find out the limit of the almighty it's higher than the heaven what can you do deeper than Sheol what can you know Oftentimes, man, we regurgitate what other people have written or found or studied or have gotten from God. But listen to me, man. God wants to show you His wisdom. He wants to show you His plan for your life. He wants to show you how awesome He is. And He wants you to have a personal relationship with Him without any proxy. And when you start growing in wisdom, know that God He's wiser than what you've known of him. He's bigger than what you've grasped of him. Man, I've read books of people who've had this beautiful depth of relationship with God. And sometimes it frightens me how much God has revealed to certain people the knowledge of who he is. And it's very humbling to know that, man, and God wants to reveal things like that to me. If only I will humble myself and say, God, would you teach me? And not be prideful in my own eyes, thinking that I've gotten it, God, I don't need you anymore. Or I'm in awe of people and not in the awe of wisdom of God. Verse 25, he says, I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that's madness. This phrase is very unique to the book of Ecclesiastes when he says, I turn my heart. This is a picture of repentance. This is a picture where he's going from his knowledge that he has because Solomon was a wise guy and, and this, this is a repenting of turning. In fact, in, in, from chapter 7, you're going to see that Solomon, he's going from the vanity of the world and he's going to start recognizing the creator. It's fantastic from here onwards because he starts recognizing that, man, I need God. I need someone who's smarter than me, that's wiser than me because see, Solomon was barking up the wrong tree. It, it's very similar to what Adam and Eve did. They, were, they, they went and ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil and that's what Solomon wanted I wanted discernment I wanted wisdom and now he's recognizing that having this is not really benefiting me I need God who's greater than my wisdom I need 
I need the God who actually created me, who's wiser than me, who's a million times smarter than me. I need Him. And without that, life is meaningless and purpose and, and without any purpose and he turns it on I, I, I turn my heart isn't that a beautiful thing I turn my heart and maybe this morning you and I need to turn our heart maybe we don't just need a reboot a restart maybe we need to be born again a turning away from our sin a turning away from our pride a turning away from our sovereignty to trusting God from our wisdom to submitting to his wisdom I turn my heart um, I like how the New Living Translation puts it. I searched everywhere, determined to find wisdom and to understand the reason for things. I was determined to prove to myself that wickedness is stupid and that foolishness is madness. And folks, what he finds is deadly. There's a third thing. He tells you, please use godly caution when dealing with pleasure. When dealing with pleasure, use godly caution. And um, I don't want to take this too lightly, and neither do I want to blow it out of its proportion. Because in Christianity, we've actually um, put a yoke of shame in the area of promiscuity. When God looks at every sin as sin, oftentimes we elevate certain sins, and we bring unnecessary shame in a blood-bought believer's life because of these patterns of sin. So I don't want to make much of it. At the same time, um, I want to present this warning the way God wants us to look at it. Solomon says, I found something, man, that's, that's more deadly than death. And he says, listen, use godly wisdom when dealing with passion. Verse 26. And I find something more bitter than death. That should make you sit on the edge of your seat right now. Solomon, in all his wisdom, finds something more bitter than death. What could it be? He says, the woman, uh-oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> the woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Wow. He says, hey, listen, use godly wisdom when it comes to pleasure because I've seen something that's more better than death. The woman whose hand is a snare in fact, uh, if you read in Hebrew, it says that her soft hands is, is, is a trap. And her uh, you know, hands are like chains that bind you. And her, her words is like a net that ensnares you. And if you're a person that's actually been fighting temptation and giving in and failing, I want to encourage you to look at the face of Jesus again. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.